Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer and I'll see you there. Are you the type of leader who wants to leave behind a legacy? Well, I'd love to help you unlock a legacy of excellence with the School Leadership Toolkit. For just $97, you'll gain access to 10 easy-to-implement resources, including templates, frameworks, and bonus content designed to help you manage your to-do list, make better decisions, navigate difficult conversations, and support your team. Fast-track solutions to your challenges by grabbing the toolkit at schoolsofexcellence.com toolkit or click the link in the show notes. Elevate your leadership journey today. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khani Olshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Welcome back to another episode of the Schools of Excellence podcast. This is episode 135. 135 episodes in. Super excited to be with you here again today. So today we're going to be talking about navigating a multi-generational workforce. So this concept actually came to me at the Summit of Excellence when I was uh, going around the tables and discussing with school leaders their core tensions inside of their company. So a couple of episodes ago, I did a series on something called the Cultural Tension Decoder. And I released this content at live event as well with a specific framework on how to help schools and owners decode the core tensions inside of their organization. Like what is really one of the tensions that are stopping the growth and development of the organization? And one of the owners um, who's a legacy member actually inside of uh, Schools of Excellence when I came over to her, I said, you know, what are one of the top five tensions that you wrote down? And she said, generational differences. And I said, oh, that's so interesting. I want to dig into that more. So when I came back home, I started to into some of the research around multi-generational workplaces. And what came up in the research is actually, this is the first time in history that we have five generations in the workplace, five. So never before in history have you had five generations all working in the same place. So this is such a unique time in history um, in the world right now. And it is a very unique time, an incredible opportunity time. And it also presents with its unique challenges and opportunities to create 
a different type of work environment. So today's conversation is understanding how to navigate the multi-generational differences in your company. The reason I chose that title is because this is not about understanding how to manage, how to fix, how to motivate, how to do all of those things. Your job as the leader is to be the navigator, not the fixer, not the come to me and I solve all the problems, not that kind of person. You're a the navigator. You are the leader of the multi-generations inside of your workplace. And you, depending on where you sit in the generational cycle, are part of one of the five generations that are inside of the workplace right now. So understanding and leveraging generational differences can really lead to such a beautiful, inclusive work environment where everyone can learn from each other, from communication style differences to motivational differences to levels of contribution. We're really going to tap into all of these unique strengths over here. So first, let's understand what are the five generations, okay? The first one are the traditionists, also known as the silent generation, born between the years of 1928 to 1945. Okay, so we're talking about a pre-World War I kind of history. The values of these people are traditionalists, very loyal. They make an effort to help other people. They have a strong work ethic. They hold traditional values in the work, like meaning they are not typically comfortable with non-traditional days or work hours. They appreciate security in their positions, right? They really have this very traditionalist approach. They are very much motivated by very, very different things. And we're going to talk about that soon. But they, these people have been shaped by the Great Depression, by World War II, by radios, by movies. This has been a lot of what has shaped their worldview, which is obedience over individualism. Age is what equals seniority, and you need to advance through the hierarchy. This is very much the worldview that I was raised in as well. Um, even though I'm not a traditionalist, my parents were, and this is a huge part of just the psychology of obedience over individualism, right? Age is seniority, all of these things. Okay, so let's 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 go further. Then you have the baby boomers. The baby boomers are born between the years of 1946 to 1964. Baby boomers value hard work. They are you know, a little bit more willing to take risks to pursue their goals. They're very, very dedicated to their jobs. Um, the baby boomers have been shaped by the Vietnam War, the civil rights movement, the Watergate uh, scandal, right? It's super important to understand what has shaped their worldview and how they are really looking at their lens of the world. Then we have the Gen X. They were born between the years of 1965 and 1980. They are the generation very independent people, right? These are the Lachiki kids. They, both of their parents worked. They came home. They let themselves into the house. This is the classic like cans or the doormat. They took care of themselves. They are fiercely, fiercely independent, many times to a fault fiercely independent. These are professionals. They value healthy work-life balance. They prefer working for companies that offer monetary rewards, such as bonuses and company stock options, right? Like this is a lot of what they're looking at. So the Gen X generation were shaped by the fall of the Berlin Wall, okay? The dot-com boom, the AIDS epidemic. These were things that were going on during their upbringing. Okay, let's talk about the millennials. 
The millennials are the first generation to grow up in an age of technological advances. These are the people that were born between the years of 1981 and 2000. These are people that were shaped by 9-11, the internet, right? Like this, they are shaped by these big world events. Millennials seek meaningful work. They want to use their creative skills, very tech savvy. They use technology uh, to make their work more efficient, to generate long lasting impact for their team. Um, and millennials are often results oriented and they can help older generations integrate new technology. They're much more kind of like, hey, let me help you out here. I personally am a millennial myself. Okay. And then our final generation is the Gen Z, right? They were shaped by life after 9-11, the Great Recession, and technology access from a really young age, okay? These things matter. They matter. So Gen Z, they're just beginning to enter the workforce. Their broad and innovative thinking really benefits organizations. They have been really shaped by technology, which really, really impact a lot of the way that they're showing up. So what I want to dive into now is really go into the differences of communication, the differences of motivation. And today's episode, you might want to re-listen to again. If you're like driving now, you might want to listen to it again where you could take some notes. And one of the things that I recommend as you kind of move through this episode is actually audit your teacher roster. So go over your teacher list and then write down, okay, how many people in my school are traditionalists? How many people are baby boomers? How many people are millennials? How many people are Gen Z? What is the ratio of the five generations in my workplace currently? Because that is going to help you as a leader shape the way that you're going to continue and kind of move through the content or some of the ideas that I'm sharing with you today. So you can listen to this now, and then I would go back and maybe listen to it again from the lens of, okay, how many people in my company actually fit in each of these generational gaps here? Okay, so let's talk about some communication styles, okay? So we have our older generations, um, especially our Gen Xers, right? They are very blunt. They are very direct with the communication. They're just, they, they say things as it is. The millennials, on the other hand, they really crave positive feedback. They want recognition. They want a lot more collaboration. And even though the Gen Zs grew up with technology um, and they like communicate kind of a, a, you know, a little bit differently, some of the Gen Zs like, face-to-face -face communication, and sometimes they like the email or the text or the back and forth exchange. So when we look at communication styles, how do your people like to communicate? So as a company, you can create standards of communication, meaning even if you have five generations in the workplace, you can create a standard in, in your company where updates on staffing schedules are always posted in our Slack channel or whatever it is, or updates on the food menu or requests for paid time off or whatever it is must be communicated through the Google form. Like you can create communication standards that involve technology or fa or face-to-face -face or whatever it is that all of your generations need to adhere to. What I'm talking about when it comes to communication styles is understanding how the different generations 
come into conversation, how they come in from being blunt and direct, being more positive, being more collaborative, being more independent, you know, talking while they're texting on their phone, like how are they coming into the communication? So I want you to understand the distinction. Just because someone comes from a different generation, it doesn't mean that we need to give them a pass on, okay, so, you know, everyone has to fill out the Google form, but you can do X, Y, and Z. If you want to make that accommodation for them, by all means, go do it. I'm not against making accommodations for people. But my point is, is understanding that it's okay to have communication guidelines. This is how we do things here. And then understanding that each generation is going to have a different way of their personality and the way that they're going to communicate specifically in conflict and difficult conversations. Because the way that we were shaped, the way that we're raised um, impacts our communication style and the way that we navigate conflict. And so this is really where I see the generations, the five generations, in how they're navigating conflict together is where things get sometimes a little muddy or a little messy because you have one generation that's like, kumbaya, come, let's all hold hands, let's hang out. Like, we'll figure it out. It's so chill, don't worry. And then you have someone else who's like, no, we need to understand what the problem is. I'm not okay with this. Like, let's, you know, let's talk this out or whatever it is. Um, and so communication styles, really important when you're navigating a collaborative work environment. Staff meetings is where you'll see the breakdown of this level of communication the most, right? Because that's when all the generations all come together into one room. And now you as the leader is trying to facilitate this kind of conversation or this dialogue when everyone has such a different communication style. And so when you understand, okay, I have these people who like to communicate this way. I have these people that communicate in this kind of way. What do I need to do to create collaboration between all of them? Maybe collaboration is not even your goal, right? Not every meeting is about collaboration. Some meetings are about, we're going through a specific, you know, run through of, you know, our winter event or, you know, the Mother's Day breakfast or whatever it is. We're not necessarily brainstorming for ideas. I'm just doing a rundown for you guys. So also understanding, again, that's a separate conversation, understanding the intention behind your meeting, why you're bringing people together to communicate. So let's go to motivation in the workplace. So our Gen X, is very motivated by autonomy. Our millennials, very, very motivated by development and growth. Gen Zs, very motivated by purpose. Um, and then I forgot our baby boomers, very motivated by flexibility, okay? So when it comes to the baby boomers and, and you know what motivates them, they are really motivated by flexibility and they really yearn for that wiggle room because in one Harvard business review, 87% of baby boomers stated that they considered work flexibility to be extremely important. That has largely to do because they've built lives outside of work. The same survey found that 71% of boomer respondents were juggling the needs of different family generations. 55% of boomers volunteer their time to support environmental, cultural, educational, and other causes. So we need to understand that the boomers, they are juggling the needs of different family generations. Many of them are taking care of elderly family members, right? Aging parents. This is such an interesting conversation. Anytime I read an article about this, so I get a weekly magazine every week. It's like, it's a, it's a family magazine. And it talks a lot about marriage and parenting and family and intergenerational stuff. And um, at the time I'm recording, 
recording this episode, it's right before the holiday Passover. So it's very timely with what I'm kind of thinking about right now. There's always several articles around intergenerational communication and conversation because Passover really brings together all the generations. Everyone's really sits together at one table, parents, grandparents, if great grandparents are still alive, they're to, we're all sitting around the same table telling the story of the holiday, telling the story of Passover. And so there's a lot of content and conversation around how do we bring together all these generations when we're sitting at one table, right? The great grandfather, the grandfather, the father, and the grandchild all sitting at one table and how those differences of their worldview, of their experience, of their age, of all of that, how that all interlinks itself when we're all coming together to celebrate the holiday, right? To do one thing together. And so what a big uh, topic of conversation often comes through is the parents or the grandparents are very, very caught up in taking care of aging parents, right? They're elderly parents. Um, and their children are stuck sometimes in between that ruffle, right? Because the parent is trying to raise their young children, their own brood, and they're also very caretaking of their elderly parents, right? Raising young kids is caretaking. Taking care of elderly parents is also caretaking. And so they're like, they've been called the sandwich generation. And so you will have people in your workplace who fit this criteria, right? Who are caretaking of their own children, but are also caretaking of their elderly parents. And someone who is in that position is going to be motivated by very different things than a 23-year-old single person who still lives in their mom's basement. Right. They have very different responsibilities. They have very different perspectives of the world. They have very different uh, financial obligations. Um, they have completely different life goals. And this is why, you know, I always talk about like the fairness in the workplace. It's it just it's it's it doesn't work like we all need different things. We all need different things. OK. So that's flexibility, right? The Gen X autonomy, right? This generation grew up as the Lechiki kids, right? And so their parents were both in the work the workforce. They took care of themselves after school hours. They are resourceful. They are self-directed. They are hardworking. All the things, right? They want autonomy. They want freedom. They want to be able to do their jobs, right? They want latitude to be able to experiment and to improve on their assignments. Micromanagement. Woo, major turnoff for these people. Major, major, major turnoff. They want autonomy. Okay, let's talk about millennials, okay? Millennials are typically motivated by growth and development. They, more than any other generation, are seeking opportunities for growth. They had a report that 86% of millennials are leaving their current positions. And the reason is because they don't feel like there's a development plan for them for career opportunities, for their ideas, and for all of that kind of stuff. Millennials don't just want to know that there's room for investment within their organization. They want to know that they're going to actively be able to pursue that growth opportunity. Let's talk about Gen Z's purpose. You know, it's interesting because so many times people uh, kind of confuse a little bit that if you're close in age to a certain generation, you can have more kind of understanding or grace for that. And 
it, I, I, I disagree with that. I don't think it's like an across the board kind of term. Like I actually have a hard time relating to the Gen Z generation, even though it's like right, right under me, I'm not that much older than the Gen Z generation, but I relate so much more to the older generations um, because again, of who I was raised by, right? Like I'm a first generation American. Both of my parents are immigrants. Like they work super hard in this country. Like just the worldview that I was shaped by, I am much, I relate much more to an older generation of people than the Gen Z's who were raised with their phones or all of that kind of stuff. Even though, again, you know, my dad did have a cell phone. Um, he, <laughs> it was really funny, actually. My dad had a car phone, wasn't a cell phone. And we had this green van. It was called an Aerostar. And in between the front two seats, there was this giant contraption. It looked like a mini spaceship and it was a giant phone. Like you can't see the screen, but it was, it was really big. It was like triple the size of an iPhone right now. And it only worked on speaker. Um, and it made this super, super loud kind of noise, like beep, beep, beep. Like anytime you like push the buttons, um, and we would sit in the car and we would take these long trips from New Jersey to New York. And my dad would always be on the phone. Um, and we all, you know, had to sit quietly in the car and, and listen while he was on, you know, speakerphone. So I did grow up with a cell phone, some form of technology, uh, but not the form of technology that Gen Z's are going with, with, you know, everyone's got their own iPhone in their hand. There was a car phone and everyone was part of the car phone. Um, and everyone had to sit quietly and listen uh, while my dad was on the phone. That was our entertainment in the car. So. The reason I share these stories also is, again, just sometimes people want to have a little lens into my world, sharing little personal stories. These are just a little snippets of uh, my life and my childhood and kind of a little bit of, of what I, you know, just the fun stuff that I grew up with. So Gen Z, you probably heard a lot of inspirational quotes and sentiments about fulfillment in the workplace. Gen Z's place a lot of weight on purpose and fulfillment. OK, members of this generation recognize that their careers make up a huge portion of their lives and they feel entitled to enjoy what they spend 40 hours a week doing. Right. So we need to remember is that Gen Z people have more options than we had when we entered the workplace. They have more options than the previous generation had. So options create a different perspective and lens of the world, right? When you have more choices, Gen Z's don't want to clock in and out out of the interest of a paycheck. They want to know they're making a difference. In a large study of over 2000 participants, researchers stated that for the first time, we see a generation prioritizing purpose in their work. Additionally, research from Dell found that 38% of Gen Z's want to work for a socially or environmentally responsible organization. And 45% want to work in a place that has meaning and purpose beyond getting paid. Aid. So this is amazing, right? This is super valuable information to understand because if you have a school that has, you know, core values and has a mission and has um, a driving vision in the organization that the Gen Z who's applying is connected to, gosh, you got a winning, you got a winning team, you got a winning thing going on. The challenge is, is that when we get caught up on where our differences are, right? Where their some of their entitlement may may seem, or where some of their emotional immaturity is. Yes, they are going to be emotionally immature. They're 22 years old. Their brain isn't fully developed yet. They're going to be emotionally immature. And so we have to decide what we want to focus on, right? And that is a big purpose of today's episode. I want to give you context to all of these things. A lot of differences in work ethic that we want to understand, right? Think of the work ethic of the older generation versus the younger generation. How they define work ethic is very, very different. Um, it's actually a super interesting kind 
conversation uh, to have it at a staff meeting. Um, so one of the things I always recommend um, my leaders do when they're running staff meetings or trainings or retreats or whatever it is, start with an interesting question. Um, not a fun activity. An interesting question provokes thinking, critical thinking, and actually gets people to just think about things in a different way. So the reason I say, excuse me, the reason I say that is because when we ask children questions, we don't just ask them questions because we're looking for a particular answer. We ask them questions because the questions that we ask them become part of their inner voice and the questions that they will eventually start to ask themselves. So when we ask our children, you know, who did you help today? Or who helped you today? Even if they don't answer that question at the dinner table, if you ask that question enough, when they are find themselves in different situations, they're going to ask themselves those questions like, who did I help today or who can I help today? Because that becomes part of their inner voice, right? That becomes part of their dialogue. That is why we ask questions, right? And not just spew information or give kids advice or give our people advice. Asking questions help the person ask themselves the question like, oh, this is the lens of the world that my parents the, the path that my parents want me to walk on, right? The lens of the world that they're inviting me to look through. When they ask me a question, who helped you today? That means that they value generosity, kindness, and caring, right? Versus how did you do on your test today is a different question, right? It's a different question. And so the reason I'm bringing that up is because when we ask questions in the workplace, when we ask questions at our staff meetings, when we ask questions in our one-on-ones, at our professional development days, we are telling people what we value and the type of environment that we want to create. And so a fascinating question to ask people if you value work ethic, right? So many times people come to me, it's like, I don't have the right work ethic here. This teacher doesn't have the right work ethic. This director doesn't have the right work ethic. Okay, well, let's ask a question. Let's pose a question to the team. How do you define work ethic? How do you define work ethic? What is work ethic? And see how the different generations answer that question. What a beautiful conversation to have all together as a collective, right? So, and there's so many more questions. Um, And this is what I love to do on coaching calls when I'm coaching clients in our Owners HQ and our Legacy Group and our Inner Circle, like, I love to ask them really good questions um, because when they leave with that, now I've given them a gift, right? I haven't given them tips and tricks, which are a dime a dozen or a million a dozen, right? I've given them a beautiful gift, a beautiful question. Let's start bringing things out here and make this a little bit more practical for you. So I want to share some, some tips for communicating and managing employees for different generations, okay? Number one, don't overthink it. Okay. Start from the perspective. Again, I've shared with you a lot of perspective, but come in with the confidence, trusting your decision-making, trusting your discernment, trusting your, trusting yourself and listening to yourself, get perspective, get coached, and then take action, right? Don't overthink things. Number two, modify your style. Okay. While your employees have many of the same attributes, they also have individual needs and perspectives in large part due to their age. Okay. We want to find the approach that this individual person can adapt to, okay? Number three, get out of the office to get team members of different generations to get to know each other better, to get to spend time together. 
you got to get off the site, get out of the building and do experiences together, experiences that are connected to company values. This is one of the things I taught at the Summit of Excellence. One of the four ways that we teach values is through experiences. And so creating experiences that can bring together multi-generations is a beautiful way to honor this beautiful time in history that we're in. So this is like a really fun conversation that we're having in the Facebook group inside of our uh, membership and just conversation we're having in, in our masterminds online in the legacy group, having conversations around how do we build experiences around multi-generations um, to bring them all together and to have them all learn from each other, right? The Gen X and the baby boomers, like they want to learn from the Gen Z's. They want to understand like, okay, so how does this TikTok dance work? Right. And, and the young generation need to be taught how to learn and take wisdom from the older generation. Not everyone wants to learn from the older generation, but the older generation have wisdom. And we need to teach sometimes the 19 year old, the 20 year old that listening to someone who's 60 sometimes has some insight. Not always. I'm not saying always. I never say always, right? That's a generalization. It doesn't work. But a lot of times, someone who is 40 years older than you typically has a little bit of wisdom or knowledge to share. Listen, listen to what they have to say, giving them the opportunity to share stories. One of the other ways that we teach values is through storytelling, right? I think that the traditionalists, the baby boomers are really great storytellers. They have a history and a life story that Gen Z just cannot wrap their mind around. Like, what does it mean to grow up in a post-World War II era? What does it mean to grow up in an era where communism just fell, right? What does it mean to grow up in an era, you know, pre-9-11 or in the 9-11 time? Like, what, what did that look like, right? What, how did these world events shape American culture, world culture? And they have so many stories to say. And let them share their stories. They like to share their stories. I love to share my stories, right? This is why I have a podcast, so I can share my stories. So what I want to leave you with here, right? Because there's so much information. There's so many great ideas. There's so many perspectives that we could look at. Um, and, you know, this podcast went a little bit longer. So what I want to leave you with here is this. We can decide to look at this time period in history as a beautiful, unique time where you as the leader decided to step up and say, I'm going to be the person that navigates the multi-generational differences of the workplace. I'm going to choose to, you know, understand their communication styles, to understand what motivates them, to understand how to collaborate and bring people together, to give opportunity to my older generation, to be able to share stories and wisdom and discernment with my younger generation. I'm going to give opportunity for my younger generation to teach and educate my older generation, right? And how to use technology and how to, you know, collaborate and do these kinds of things in the workplace. I'm going to create opportunity and experiences for my people to connect and collaborate with one another and have fun together outside of work. You get to make that choice as the leader. This is such a unique time in history. And you're part of it. You're part of shaping the narrative and the conversation that happens in this era. And I think it's a beautiful time if we understand how to leverage the incredible beauty that every generation has what to offer. Every single generation has something unique and special and it's not just unique and special, it has something so specific and poignant that only their perspective of the world can share. And if we invite people to share their stories and we invite people to contribute what is unique to them, 
we're going to create an incredible work environment that really, really has impact and legacy for this beautiful next generation of leaders that we're all raising and all cultivating their hearts and minds. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks so much for listening. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there. If you're a school leader, I bet you have a super long to-do list with all the things that you need to get done every single day. You got to-do lists of what the teachers need, what the parents need, what your leadership team, admin. You also have to-do lists about your visionary stuff or your future goals that you want to get accomplished. And every single day, it's a hustle against the clock to try to figure out how to check off every single thing on your to-do list. Today, I actually want to share with you a whole new way to tackle your to-do list and understand how to actually battle out the competing demands that happen inside of a childcare center. It's my little secret sauce called having a do not do list. So instead of having a do list, you have a do not do list, a list of things that you do not do until certain things get completed or a list of things that you do not do anymore if you want to create sustainability and long-term legacy inside of your center. I'm teaching this strategy and a whole bunch more of my incredible tools in the Priority Reset Workshop on February 29th at 1130 Eastern. I want you to join me and dozens of other school leaders to reclaim your time, to learn how to balance those competing priorities, and most importantly, focus the time, energy, people, and resources on the activity, on the priorities, and the work that actually move the needle forward. I look forward to seeing you there. Click the link in the show notes to register. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.